Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast. We're here to provide you and your team with the resources, tools, and content to achieve your greatest potential. For those interested in additional resources or services, such as the weekly planners, online planners for Chrome or Outlook, keynotes, live training, coaching, or certification, you can visit our website at becomingyourbest.com. Now, when you listen to an episode that resonates with you, we invite you to share it with your family, friends, and team members so that they can experience the same type of motivation and results in their lives. Also, if you haven't already subscribed, please hit the subscribe button. It works on Apple, Stitcher, Google, or whatever platform you're using so that you can get a new podcast reminder each week. Now sit back, let's get started, and we hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to all of our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners, wherever you may be in the world today. This is Steve Schallenberger, your host, and we are so thrilled and honored to have our listeners with us today. I mean, they are game changers, making a difference, and they're here. One of the very things that we're doing here is they tune in, and that's what sets them apart from others, because they're trying to figure out how to become their best and to move the bar up and to maximize their happiness and joy and performance and productivity. And so because of that reason, we have a very special guest with us today. I've been looking forward to having her here. She is described as one of the most sought after, engaging, thought-provoking, and truly transformative international speakers and scholars in her field. She is a multi-award-winning education and psychology instructor and resiliency expert. Welcome to Dr. Robin Hanley Defoe. Oh, thank you so much, Steve. I'm thrilled to be here today for this conversation. Okay, well, before we get started, I'd like to tell you a little bit more about Dr. Robin and what sets her apart is how she learned resiliency from the ground up as a person who has experienced significant obstacles yet forged her comeback And as a result, her work is both relatable and accessible. She lives in Ontario, Canada with her husband, Jeff. They have three children, Hunter, who is 18, Ava Leslie, who is 16, and Jackson, who is 14. We were talking beforehand, Dr. Robin, and uh, we're just talking about this is game time. All in. Yeah, this is game season all in. We are in the midst of it, and uh, we're loving every minute of it. Uh, Good job. Well, let's just get right into our visit today. And I'd love to have you start out by talking about your background, especially including any turning points that helped you get to where you are today. Yeah, great question, Steve. Happy to do this. So just to give kind of context, you know, I grew up in a, a great house system with, you know, loving parents and doing all the things right, right? So I really grew up with this solid foundation But despite that upbringing and that consistency and that support, I went off the rails as a teenager, which I think sometimes that happens. We got derailed and I uh, ended up getting myself in some pretty challenging predicaments. And I ended up uh, dropping out of high school, despite all of that support that was there to, you know, want me to do well and be my best. But unfortunately, the, the weight of some of my challenges became too hard to stay in school and 
ended up dropping out of school and really struggled with mental health and emotional health. And like we often do, we turn to some of the, the wrong strategies to try and feel better and get better. And so I developed a lot of maladaptive coping, Steve, which uh, was a very difficult season for my family and me. I was, I was very much in that pretty dark place. What was quite remarkable though, my family actually tried many interventions to try and help their troubled girl get back on track. And one of the last interventions, Steve, is our family actually moved. The family moved to a small community. We were living in a big city. We moved to a small community and I did start to get better. I had a fresh start because sometimes we need a fresh start. We need to do over a second chance. And I started to get really well. I started to learn and figure things out and get the support I needed. And then unfortunately or fortunately, depends on how you look at it, I ended up getting my driver's license when I moved to that small community and I was driving home very late at night and a snowstorm rolled in really quickly and see within moments, I lost control of my car and the car went off the road and down an embankment and my vehicle actually crashed through the ice and my vehicle sank in the Otonabee River with me trapped inside. And within moments, my car was completely submerged and I was drowning in this vehicle. And in that moment, see, I remember I wasn't actually feeling scared. I wasn't feeling afraid. In this moment, I actually was feeling a wee bit angry. And I was angry at this idea that I couldn't protect my mom from what was going to happen. Mm. After all she stood by me for, I didn't want this to be part of her story that she lost a daughter in a car accident like this. Now, the really remarkable thing about my mom is ever since I'd been a little girl, my mother used to always tell me that I could do hard things. She had this steadfast confidence, Steve, that I problem solve, I figure things out. I was agile. She believed so with so much confidence that I figure things out. And when I started to think about my mother as I'm trapped, drowning in this vehicle, it was like this emotional echo kind of rang through my bones I was just so overwhelmed with that confidence that I could do hard things like she told me. And I used that to find a way to survive. And I was able to, you know, wiggle out of the seatbelt. I couldn't open the, the door because of the water pressure, but I was able to, you know, take my fingertips and dig them to where the window met the door and was able to pull the door window out of the track. And I was able to slide it down and swim out the window. Now, Steve, I got to the other side and I had no idea which way was up or down. The water was just pulling the car so strongly and I was turning around. And in that moment, I realized that the only way I could get my bearings was to, to actually just exhale, to let go of all of the breath that I was holding because I knew my bubbles would rise. And I swam as hard as I could after those bubbles with a big winter coat on and winter boots and jeans. And then I thought I was going to make it. I had this little surge, Steve, that it's like, okay, we're going to figure it out. And then all of a sudden smash, something hit my face so hard. My brain was reeling, trying to figure out what it was. Yeah. And Steve, it was ice. The vehicle had crashed a hole, but I was farther downstream. And they estimate the vehicle at that time was like 20 feet underwater. And Steve, what I was able to do was just scramble and found a way to get through the ice. And there I was in the middle of the night in a blizzard on a deserted road in this river, holding the edge of this ice. And then there was this, there was this gentleman and his name was Joseph, just a random guy in his thirties driving home from shift work. 
And Joseph just saw, happened to see my car tracks in the snow. And he just happened to drive all along the side of that road to see if he could see anyone. He pulled over his pickup truck. He sees my body out on the ice. He grabs wood and a chain, uses the wood to support his body weight as he crawled out onto the ice. He slid out that chain, wrapped around my body, and he dragged me to shore. Now, what's amazing is Joseph was awarded the Governor General's Award for Bravery, which is the highest honor we give a civilian in Canada for him and his efforts that night saving my life. And I can share with you just lastly, I remember waking up a wee while later in the hospital, Steve, and my mom was there. And my mother said to me, you know, how did you do it? How did you get yourself out of that situation? And I said to my mother, it is very much because you told me I can do hard things. And my mother said, that's not ever what we really intended when we told you that at the time, but we're glad it worked in your favor. (laughs) So it did work in my favor. So see, that very much became the origin story for me where all of a sudden I realized, you know what, there is, there is so much out there. And it became the origin story as to why I wanted to study human resiliency. I wanted to study what helps and what supports people finding their best and just being able to push through even what seems insurmountable or unmovable. And then I spent the next, you know, I guess 20 years in university studying and learning and bringing my personal experience and my academic experience into that place where I can now be a service to others. Wow. Those are great turning points. Big turning points, Steve. Yes. Oh man. You know, that's so cool that people can identify experiences that they've had and turn them into a passion that can be a blessing to others. And yes, and maybe what you may, somebody may perceive as a weakness, turn it into a strength mm-hmm. and let it be part of building a magnificent life. So great going. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. And I, I do thank all of the, you know, it wasn't a linear recovery, right? But that's one of the things I think so often we get lost in is that sometimes it's going to take a lot of revisits, it's going to take a lot of rebounds, it's going to take a lot of support. We're not meant to do this alone, but I do believe it's possible. Okay. And then Dr. Robin has um, written a book, Calm Within the Storm, A Pathway to Everyday Resiliency. Mm-hmm. So tell us about the book. How did that yeah. come about? And What's the purpose or objective of the book? Yeah. So the very, the, where it came about is I'd spent about at that point, about 15 years working in the university and I was sharing my material with my students and colleagues in a university setting. And then all of a sudden I realized the conversations I really wanted to be having. Yes, of course, I love talking to my students, but I wanted to bring this into the public place. I wanted people to be able to talk about resiliency in a different way, not just keep it behind these academy walls. So what I did was create this theory that I work with called everyday resiliency. And then what I did was put it into a way that we can share it. And anyone, doesn't matter what your background is in psychology or education, doesn't matter. You're able to onboard to these universal principles of what makes persons able to handle and really stick handle some of the challenges and the setbacks and the, the stressors and the things that come into their lives. So I've braided research, but personal story, as well as application full of tools. So that way people could have essentially a wee bit of a guide as they try to figure out those, those tricky parts of their lives. Well, okay. That's very exciting. I'm excited to hear about some of the things that are in the book. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure in my own life, uh, for people I know, family, friends, we all deal with setbacks and challenges. Mm -hmm. 
I think every single one of us, right? And yes, and I think it's even compounded by what's happened in the last couple of years in our mm-hmm. world and what's happening right now with conflict and turmoil and mm-hmm. uncertainty. So, uh, what does it really mean to be resilient? What What is that? Yeah. So I can tell you, I, I, I really kind of differentiated my work from some other scholars, because to me, what resiliency really is about, Steve, is getting to that place that you are OK, that you are you are confident and you have that steadfast confidence that, you know, you're going to be able to weather whatever comes your way. So it doesn't mean we're bulletproof. It doesn't mean we don't have bad days. It doesn't mean we always have to be stoic and don't feel emotion. It's this idea that we learn how to position and set up our lives that has that nimbleness that's required for us to be able to figure things out and recognize, yes, you're absolutely right. There's going to be challenging seasons. How we respond to it is key. So everyday resiliency is about how we build that solid foundation so we can be okay no matter what. Is that really the end game? I mean, uh, resiliency means that you want to be able to bounce back so that you can be happy, so that you can feel good and uh, nurture strong relationships. Is that kind of the end game? Yeah, for me, what the end game is about resiliency is recognizing our comeback strategies. So we know we're going to get walloped. We know we're going to have hiccups, setbacks. We know that's inevitable. So what I'm curious about is how do we shorten our comeback rates to get us to that place where we're okay again and we feel steady enough to keep showing up in our lives? Because sometimes when we get, you know, especially if we think about, you know, entrepreneurs, how many no's that they have to face. And, you know, if you get too many of them and it takes you so long to bounce back from that and to try again, it's really going to take you out of the game. So the idea, whether it be personal or professional, is how do we recognize like, yeah, we're going to stumble. That's part of this. Learning is meant to be messy and disruptive. Growth is meant to be challenging. And we want to make sure we can keep moving that that kind of that needle forward and we're not being kind of held back by some of our past events or experiences or some of the emotions. Oh, great. Well, I had a wonderful mentor, like mm-hmm. for 50 years, just outstanding yeah. man. But I was young when I first met him. He said, well, we all have setbacks. He said, for some people, it takes three months. For some people, three weeks. Some people three hours and some people three minutes and how fast you can bounce back really makes the difference of, Mm -hmm. you know, your effectiveness and happiness, et cetera. So I'm excited to talk with you about how we do bounce back. And and as we do that, Dr. Robin, how can we reframe how we view strength Mm -hmm. to include things like vulnerability and openness and emotion? Because I presume some people may see those not as strength. How do you define that and how do you look at it? Yeah, so and I think that you're you're touching on such an important component about our resiliency is this recognition that we aren't, again, we're not like superhuman, we're not bulletproof. We have this full lived experience. We have these thoughts and these emotions. We have a past, we have dreams, we have a future. And all of that is essentially this huge ecosystem that we're going to try to show up in and manage. And so often many of us have been conditioned or groomed or we were raised that to be able to be a high performer, we always have to be like dialed in. We have to hit that high stride and, you know, we don't take breaks, right? We just keep pushing and pushing till the job is done. But one of the things we've learned, especially studying high level performance, who've been able, Steve, this is the key to sustain high performance 
is they have to be able to embrace the whole lived experience, recognizing their vulnerabilities, understanding their shortcomings, also understanding the emotional waves that impact our relationships, how we lead, how we nurture and take care of one another and ourselves. So the people who we've been able to study, who are able to achieve and again, sustain high performance, they have a very rich practice of living wholehearted. Like they're showing up in the full moment. They're not just relying on intellect. They're not just relying on a good idea. They recognize that it's this mosaic of thoughts and feelings, emotions, skill sets, gifts, and talents that they have to put into use. Okay. I'm trying to think about that. And and so how do you get to that point? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, I think that starting point and where I usually encourage people to start is, is that kind of that self-awareness piece. You know, so often we go on autopilot and we're just so busy, we're hustling, we're moving, and we're not always taking the time that we need to reflect, right? To actually slow down and take a really good inventory of what's working, you know, what's, what is helping, what is holding me back? What are some of those habits that are, you know, helping me maintain success? And what are some of those maybe maladaptive habits that are actually making me harder to do the things that I want to do? So often what happens is that people just go with that, that urgency to do the best, to be the best. They have that urgency, that fuel of urgency. And my gentle invitation is that's amazing. We want to harness that momentum, that inertia, and we want to make sure that we're pausing to be able to do check-ins. And I love that you brought up that earlier about like having a mentor, right? That's this kind of idea of having a checkpoint, being able to build our self-awareness to really be honest with ourselves. Because when you get that clarity of like who I am, who am I not, what matters to me, then I can make what matters most matter most and you can really show up in an effective way. Okay, great. One of the things you said earlier when you were stuck in the car under the ice is you remembered your mom's comment about, Mm -hmm. I can do hard things. How do people reinforce that kind of an attitude and reinforce a high self-esteem and focus on the things that are important that produce that? It's not just high achievement, it's being to a really good place. So I think what's so interesting is somewhere along the line, and I don't know where, Steve, is that we kind of picked up this idea that we're supposed to make life look easy, right? We're supposed to make it look easy and effortless and like the great ones make it look easy. The the reality is that life is hard. It's messy. It's complicated. You know, we are these emotional beings trying to do our best with other emotional beings. Like it's This isn't easy work. And I think sometimes we're doing a disservice when we present this as being so easy. Like, so I think this kind of conversation about recognizing the hard parts, and that's where that vulnerability comes in to be able to say like, yes, I've been able to do it, but this was hard work and and talk about, okay, so if we're going to do that hard work, what does that look like? What is stick to itedness? right? That's a concept I talk to a lot with teenagers because I want them to develop that stick to itedness because it's a lot easier just to jump to another website or scroll to something else. I want them to learn how to stick with something. And so again, those are those, those skill sets that we're going to start to cultivate that, that idea of, you know, learning that hardiness. And you do that by talking about it, by understanding the fact that there's a lot that goes into all of this that we're trying to do on an everyday basis. Okay. So one of the really vital things for success in life is to keep getting back up. Yes. Right? And so what's the difference between giving up and getting back up again? And Mm -hmm. how do people consistently do that? 
keep getting back up and have the encouragement and hope to do so? Great question, Steve. So what I've been able to come upon in my research is that it's the it's that piece that connects to your values. So you get up for something because it means enough to you and it's worth it. And so often we're trying to do things and maybe we're losing motivation or we don't have the discipline, but then you have to ask yourself, is this like a worthy goal, right? Is this a worthy goal that is going to get me up when I'm tired? That is going to give you that energy to keep showing up when it's difficult. So for example, you know, if you're in a season of your life where, you know, you're, you're kind of providing for your family and you're the only one providing for your family, like it's not a question, you do it, right? You do it. And so it's learning that piece about, okay, the value and the integrity and when it's worth it, like we find a way. So often when I'm talking to persons and they say, you know, Robin, I'm, I don't really follow, you know, these health habits. I don't really, you know, I, I struggle sometimes with kind of staying disciplined, but then the reality is, okay, if this, if you valued it enough, and that's unfortunately why, Steve, we see so often when people, you know, don't really value their health until they have a health crisis. And then all of a sudden they have this like complete transformation, whether it be something, you know, if they, let's say, you know, had a heart attack, all of a sudden they change their entire lifestyle because we just made it real. And the idea here is that we got to make this stuff real and the worthiness of what we're, what we're pursuing and what we're trying to do, it's got to be in alignment with who we are and what we're all about. How do you keep that clear in your life? What have you found? Yeah. Those things that are important to you, that you aspire to, that are meaningful to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You so I think that we, up on the dashboard there. Yeah. Because absolutely. it produces this motivation, right? And mm-hmm. produces the, the willpower to keep getting back up over and over and over again. Yeah. So again, I think you, you use that word beautifully, that, that idea about clarity. So it's this idea about how do we get clarity in such a noisy, distracting world to stay focused on what matters most. So I'm a huge advocate as a behavioral scientist. I'm all about the environment and like how we show up in the environment. So like you keep it in front of you, right? Like you actually have to have that, that image in front of you, those goals written down. Like we have to take it from the abstract, this thinking about it, see, to concrete. Like I always tell people, like, if I looked at your calendar, would I be able to tell what you value? Would I be able to tell your priorities if I looked at your calendar? And so often people will say, well, no, no, like, of course, family time isn't on my calendar, Robin, or these things aren't on my calendar. I'm like, they should be, right? Because if you value them, you put them, you carve out space and time so you can see that. So I think we have to keep it top of mind. We need to have that omnipresent. Another way to do that, Steve, is to create ritual where we check in with ourselves, whether it be, you know, Monday morning, Sunday nights, once a month on the 15th of the month, the 30th of the month, you actually create systems where it's like, okay, am I showing up? Am I dialed in in a way that best serves my goal right now or how I could best be of service to others? Oh, great. Well, that is so good. Uh, So I'm just thinking about your book, Calm Within the Storm. Awesome. Mm -hmm. We all go through it. And the objective is to make it through the storm and feel great about that because we have them. And what are some of the key points in your book that help people do that? Yeah. So we, we talk about these five pillars a lot in terms of like, what is it that people need to be able to show up in such a, a healthy, meaningful way? And the first one, it's belonging, right? We got to have a home team. We have to have a home team, people in our corner that are worth that we're going to fight for, that they're going to fight for us. And we need to have that sense of community and we're meant to be in community. So when people have that home team and it doesn't need to be this huge village, Right. The research even shows for children, like one caring, consistent 
champion can change a child's life. So just that idea of one safe place that you have. Okay. So when you have that in your corner, you're already winning. The next we talk about is perspective. And often when we think about perspective, we think about it as like attitude or a mindset that is perspective building, of course, but it's also how you, how you feel. It's this idea of an alignment between your head and your heart. And sometimes trying to get your head and your heart on the same page is a lot of work. It's, a, it's hard to do that. Our thoughts go so much quicker than our feelings, but our feelings last longer. So being able to work with our feelings and our thoughts and have that perspective is key. We also talk about the, in the book, this, the, the role of acceptance. And the, the reality is a lot of us, deplete a lot of our energy and resources on things that are out of our control, right? They're things that we are unmovable. And we've kind of been taught, especially as high performers, it's like, you know, no mountain is too high. You have to push, you have to conquer it, but we want to make sure we're, we're fighting the right battles, right? We want to make sure we're putting our energy in alignment that actually makes the most sense for the bigger goals. So understanding that there's going to be some things outside of our control and we don't want to deplete ourselves, you know, and a classic example of a common depletion, Steve, we see is when people ask why questions, you know, why is this happening to me? Why did that person do that? Gosh, traps us in the past. So I want, instead of a why question, I want you to ask questions like, what's my next move? Where do I go from here? Who do I talk to? What's next? Because that gives us momentum. That puts us on that right track. So acceptance is key. The last two principles we talk about in the book are the ideas of hope, choosing to live hope-filled, living in hope with others. It's a powerful place to occupy. And the last one, actually, it's kind of a wild card. We talk about this in the research. It's, it's actually humor, lightheartedness, joy, play, merriment. All of those things contribute to us being able to weather the storms, to bounce back. It's We don't take everything so personally, right? We don't internalize everything. We let some things kind of flow through us versus bottling things up and brewing. So in the book, we talk about those five pillars and tons of strategies on how we can foster them and build them because those are areas that we can strengthen. That is within our control. Woohoo! <laughs> I love those five pillars. Those Thank are good. You. Those are really great things they can adopt. I just had a good feeling when you're talking about them. Mm, thank you. They allow you to focus on what you can focus on, mm-hmm. control what you can control, and they're good things, and they make you a happier person. And when you're a happier person, you do better in your relationships, yes. and you lift people. And when you lift people, they lift you, and mm-hmm. it just kind of is all good stuff, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, especially when we think about those things about hope, right? There's so much negativity and noise out there, and everybody's, you know, continuing to share more negativity and noise because the human condition, we're like attuned to it, right? So, for example, I talk about this in my work where it's like, you know, if we read a news heading that said, Sunday skies, all is well, you're good versus a news heading that says crisis, doom and gloom, prepare yourself. Which one's going to sell the newspaper? Which one are we going to pick up? We're not going to pick up the paper that says sunshine, you're golden. We're going to pick up the paper that says prepare yourself, be aware, be cautious. There's threats out there. So our brain is actually attuned to go to negativity. And you know that. So for example, anytime you get, say you have 99 pieces of positive feedback, 99 people say, Steve, this is the best podcast I've ever listened to. Thank you. And you have one person that says, Steve, that wasn't my favorite. We don't bask in the, wow, 99% of my listeners feel served. We want to know like, 
where's that one, where's that one guy? Where is that person? I want to talk to that person. I want to fix that. We focus on the negativity. So if we really want to cultivate our most resilient self, we actually have to actually work a wee bit against our biology at times to keep that focus, keep top of mind, seek out the good, seek out the hope-filledness, seek out the, the joy. Because what's so fascinating, Steve, is our brains are so underdeveloped for what we're asking them to do. Our nervous system only is just trying to keep you alive. It doesn't care if you're happy. So we have to take the lead there. The nervous system will keep you safe. It'll give you worry and anxiety and fear just so you know that there's threat and there's danger out there in the world. It's going to always be aware of what could go wrong. We have to train ourselves and then put behavior into place that's going to invoke the positive because our bodies don't do that naturally. Oh, that is great advice. And it's a great way to conclude our visit today. I can't believe we're already at the end. I had a friend one time say, you know, discipline leads to confidence. Yes. And confidence leads to success. And so I love what you're saying is just have the discipline. I'm not going there. I'm going to focus mm-hmm. on the good and the mm-hmm. and the positive and be constructive and do what I can and move forward in a positive way. So great mm-hmm. job. And how can people learn about what you're doing? The best place is my website, drrobinhd.ca. And I look forward to these conversations continuing. So please feel free, folks, to reach out. And uh, again, Steve, thank you for asking such great questions. It's been a pleasure to spend time with you today. No, it has. And it's been a delight to have you part of this show. I know this will be such a positive, such a benefit and a value to not only me, but our listeners. And I'm going to have people, I'm going to tell my friends, and family about this. I want them to listen to it. Oh, bless you. Thank you so, so much. Take good care. I appreciate the opportunity to meet you. Okay. And to all of our listeners, not only do we thank Dr. Robin for being with us, we thank you for being with us. You are an inspiration to me and you are an inspiration to other people that you associate with. And just like uh, Robin's mom said, you can do hard things. Uh, You too Our wonderful listeners are blessing people in ways that you probably just never really even be able to know. So it's a privilege to be here. We wish you a great day today and always. This is Steve Schallenberger with Becoming Your Best Global Leadership, wishing you all the best. Thank you for listening to the Becoming Your Best podcast. If there was something in this podcast that you felt would be helpful, For a family member, a friend, or even a coworker, we invite you to share this podcast with them now while you're thinking about it. Also, remember to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Now, for additional resources and tools, such as how to join our monthly peak performance coaching program, or how to get certified as a trainer or coach, or schedule a workshop or keynote, you can visit our website at becomingyourbest.com. We're here to provide you and your team with the resources, tools, and content to achieve your greatest potential. So thank you for listening and have a wonderful day and a great week.